welcome to Mommy with Mama Sal's Bad Words. Thanks for listening. See you next time. I, I did it. Good job. Finding the right jeans is hard. Accepting your jeans is even harder. Whether you wear boyfriend or bootcut, high-rise or low-rise, this podcast will teach you to love the jeans you are in. I'm Rachel. And I'm Tina. And we're going to use modern research to bust diet myths and get real about body after baby. We're going to take you on a journey of unpacking your old beliefs about food and weight so you can learn to nourish your body and raise body-confident kids. So put your booty in a chair and let's talk mom jeans. Welcome to season four of Mom Jeans. This season is called the Bite Size Education Series, where we give you quick bits of science and psychoeducation to help you in your journey towards body respect. This season, we will be answering your listener questions and interviewing amazing experts to expand your knowledge. So get ready for easily digestible, pun intended, pieces of education in podcast form. In this week's episode, we are so excited to be welcoming Deanna Bellany Lewis. Deanna is a registered dietitian, nutritionist, and public health practitioner currently living in Oakland, California. She is the co-founder of Diversify Dietetics, a nonprofit organization dedicated to increasing the racial and ethnic diversity in the field of nutrition by empowering nutrition leaders of color. She additionally works at the Harvard Medical Center for Primary Care, as the Assistant Director of Health Systems Transformation. Deanna is passionate about creating system-level changes that positively impact the health and equity of historically excluded communities. Let's dive into this week's episode. Well, welcome to this week's episode. We are excited to be picking apart these term healthy eating because there's a lot of confusion out there. So we are going to be chatting with Deanna Bellany Lewis, registered dietitian, and she is going to be helping us debunk some myths and answer some questions. So thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you all for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay. <laughs> so could you tell us a little bit about who you are and yeah. why you're coming on today to discuss healthy eating? Sure. Um, so as you said, my name is Deanna Bellany Lewis. I am... Um, originally from Texas, a proud Texan, as most Texans are, Um, but currently living in Oakland, California. Uh, I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist. Uh, My background is really in um, public health nutrition. Um, I also am the co-founder of an organization called Diversified Dietetics, which is a nonprofit organization, um, and we're dedicated to increasing the racial and ethnic diversity of the field of nutrition by empowering the nutrition leaders of color. And so um, I think, yeah, the, the, I'm excited to talk about healthy eating today. Um, again, my, my perspective has, has been for a while through the public health lens. And so I think there's a lot that goes into what it, it means to be quote unquote healthy. I think there's also tons of jargon that's out there um, and, and lots of interpreting to do. So, so yeah, that's just a little bit about me. Yeah. I love that we are going to bring in this perspective about public health, because I think so often people are looking at health as this like one dot on this massive map. Right. And when we kind of zoom in, 
to this one spot, then it gets really convoluted. And then I think we're all missing the mark. Now, granted, I don't think it's anyone's fault because I think this is the information as a society that we are fed, literally <laughs> fed. <laughs> um, so I'm really excited to kind of dive deeper and zoom out and really talk about um, that lens. So, well, so. And, and so kind of shifting into that, like a lot of the nutrition information as dietitians, sorry, Rachel, but um, <laughs> I don't want to shame her, make her feel left out. Rachel, yeah, I, I love absorbing the dietitian interview. Oh, good, <laughs> good. Um, there, there's so much binary nutrition information. This is good. This is bad. This is healthy. This is not healthy. This is processed. This isn't processed. Whatever it may be. And so we have these trigger words here. Um, what do you think about this? And how are people really supposed to follow this? Like, how are people supposed to know what they're supposed to eat? Can they eat processed foods? Are foods actually bad? Help. <laughs> so it's, it's my kind of nutrition philosophy. And um, I'm in the camp that like, all foods can fit. I know we're bombarded by like, so many things, but in general, food has no moral value. There's not like a good foods are not good or bad. Um, they all provide us with something, whether that's, you know, like the nutrients that they're giving us to be able to like think and our bodies to be able to pump blood and then do all the really physiological things. Um, or if they're like providing something mentally beneficial for us, where they're making us, you know, feel connected to people or, um, you know, enjoy something, a snack that maybe like emote some memory. Um, so I think that there's just so many things that food can give us outside of just the fuel we need to, to do the basic things in life. Um, and I think, you know, there's a term and I don't know how often you all talk about intuitive eating. I'm sure it comes up here, um, a lot, but one of the last rules of it is, is about, you know, gentle nutrition. Um, and I think that that's super important because it's making food choices that are both satisfying to your cravings and what your body wants, but also what your body needs and honoring your health there. Um, and acknowledging again, the, the both physical and mental role that food plays. So we know that, you know, a, a balanced quote unquote diet. And what I mean by that is just getting like all of your macronutrients and getting all of your micronutrients. Um, and just to kind of break that down, the, the macronutrients are just like your carbs, your fat, your protein, your body needs all of those things. Um, and then the micronutrients are like those vitamins and those minerals, um, that like fruits and vegetables have a ton of, and, and all of our foods have some, or most of our foods, I would say have, have some component of this. Um, so, so I think, this is way easier said than done, but not really obsessing about like what the latest, you know, celery juice trend or whatever it is that, that is coming up and in, in, in being promoted as like, this is the best thing for your health ever. We know that having a balanced and a varied diet is, is great for your health and is great for, you know, health promotion It's great for kind of um, preventing diseases. Um, and I, I love to put emphasis on fruits and vegetables and like getting those in because, you know, as Americans, we don't get enough. Um, the recommendation from, you know, the USDA is five fruits and vegetables a day. There's some institutions like the cancer, I think says seven to 10 servings of fruits and vegetables today, but like getting as much fruits and vegetables as you can into your day is just like, if you have zero, let's try to get one. If you're at three, like, let's try to get four. Um, I think there's nothing bad about trying to get more of those fruits and vegetables into our day because there's so many nutrients that again, promote health, help with chronic disease management, um, you're just not going to go wrong with, with trying to, to find the best ones that, that, that are for you. So again, I know that's that, I don't know if that's helpful for, for folks, but I think all foods can definitely fit. 
Um, the term process, you know, all of our food in some way, unless you're like eating from the land is processed. Like even, you know, the fruit or vegetable, the baby carrot that you are maybe snacking on, like everything gets processed in some kind of way um, to make it. Have you ever seen what corn has originally looked like? If you like Google, yes, I want people to do this. I want you to go and Google what corn originally looked like. Hmm. I'm doing it right now. I'm Googling corn. Literally, (laughs) it's like, oh gosh, that's, that's not what we eat, Ah, right? And I think that, yeah, it's, in order for our culture to be fed, we need this form of processing. So little, little homework assignment for our listeners, Google the original image of corn. Yeah, like, so it's not a bad word, like to say something is processed is not like insulting. It's, It's just like, yeah, some things have to be processed for us to be able to like, store it or eat it or, um, you know, for it to travel to get to the, wherever we're buying um, fruit or produce or foods from. And so um, I think not hyper-focusing on if the food is processed or not, but like, how are you feeling when you're eating these foods? Like, what is it giving you, whether it's like nutrient wise, or maybe it's like, again, mental health benefits that are coming from it. Um, how are you connecting with it that way? So, but, but I think just in, in general, you know, if we're getting those macronutrients and we're getting those micronutrients, like you're doing a great job. Right. I can hear people listening, though, and going like, "Okay, I hear you. And Mm -hmm. you you're not actually talking about desserts (laughs) and cookies and things that come in a box. Right. Like those those aren't included in this. Right. Because that's I think what people hear when they hear the word process. Mm -hmm. Right. We're talking about like fast food or sodas or all those big like buzzword food groups that are demonized foods that are demonized as our typical quote unquote I don't believe it but as bad foods Mm -hmm. and so what about those because people I feel like all the time in session it's like okay I hear you yes all foods fit whatever (laughs) but like you're not actually meaning these ones right and I'm like those two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those two. Like I, I, there's like a cycle that, um, I've seen before of, of people that, um, or when people think about dieting, there's sometimes a cycle that happens where like you deprive yourself of something and then you crave that thing and then you consume that thing and then you feel guilty about it. So again, just thinking back to like, what is the food doing for you both mentally and physically? And if that feeling of guilt doesn't make you feel good, then like, let's figure out a way to like take the guilt away from it. And and yes, and that might mean like, I want to enjoy a a Wendy's four for four, or like, I would like some cake and ice cream. Um, So, so I think that's included in the all foods can fit. And again, back to that gentle nutrition point, it's making food choices that are both satisfying to your cravings and your, and honor your health. And so of course you're not going to eat that every day, all day, because that's not, you know, what your health, what your body can thrive on. Um, you probably wouldn't feel great. Um, but tuning into like, okay, how is this making me feel? Um, and, and those things. And also again, honoring, like my body probably needs nutrients. I probably should get some fruits and vegetables in my day. I should probably sleep more. I need some water as opposed to maybe having, um, you know, a, a drink that's more sugary every day. Um, so I think being attuned to both of those things and, and yes, if that means it's okay to, to enjoy foods that might be considered processed or, or, or demonized typically, but you really got to let go um, of that or, or at least work to, to try to. I just think there's so, so much mistrust 
these days. And people, when I hear them talk, like I've even heard um, celebrities tell, you know, oh, processed foods has certain ingredients that purposely make your brain want more because that's how the industry gets you to buy more. And then you can be addicted and then all of this stuff. And it's so it's so hard to kind of navigate that. So I like how you're pulling it back to more of an individual intuition and responsibility and awareness of what your unique body needs. But how do you help your clients kind of navigate that misinformation or the mistrust that's out there? Yeah. So, I mean, when I do this, it's typically in like group in community settings or maybe like making programs. But I think it's really um, incentivizing the foods that are like nutrient dense, like instead of, you know, it's like the carrot or the stick instead of like, you know, saying people are not right to want a soda. Maybe it's having programs that incentivize people to get more fruits and vegetables. Maybe there's a subsidy that like, when you go to this farmer's market, I'm thinking of like a a government funded programming around farmer's markets. Um, you get double the bucks if you have fruits and vegetables and you buy them from these certain places, instead of like, we're going to penalize you for trying to enjoy a soda. Um, so I think that's how I think about it is just like, okay, how can we make it easier for everyone to access things that are nutrient dense? How can we make it easier for everyone to get foods that are like accessible and have, you know, good quality? Um, cause I think again, there's kind of like a health equity issue there where not everyone has access to foods that are affordable and are accessible and are convenient and that are like of good quality. And so if you do have access to that, that's great. But like, what are systems that we can put in place? So that's the, the same thing for everyone. Um, and so, yeah, so that's how I think about it. And then in, in the nutrition education piece, it's again, not demonizing foods, having a conversation about all foods fitting. Um, and also just calling out diet culture for what it is, which is like really toxic and it doesn't benefit anyone. It's the, the pursuit of, of weight loss or the pursuit, um, of like a certain size is not really supporting your health. It's just kind of up hand, upholding the standard that external forces are saying like, you should eat like this, you should look like this. Um, and, and again, I think it's just toxic. So I think showing people where that comes up in so many places in their life, they're like, oh my gosh, yeah, I have been being told for so long that like, I need to be eating this way or I need to not be eating this way. But like, what about what I want? Like, what about my own, again, internal cues or the things that how does it make me feel? Um, so I think a combination of like addressing the systems um, and then shining a light on like the diet culture and the, the toxicity that is like from these external forces that are telling you how you should look, how you should eat, what you should be doing and what you should not be doing. Right. In both of these kind of topics, you've um, kind of touched on points that are talking about access to food. And so when we're kind of debunking the binary around food, um, you know, one of the statements you said was like, well, we are not going to be eating X every single day, right? The whole point is variety. And so, you know, we can incorporate all foods with the intention of having variety. And so therefore our body can get a balanced amount of vitamins, minerals, macros, whatever. But... I feel like a lot of times I'm talking to clients and there's there's various scenarios where maybe one, they don't have access to um, specific foods and the only access is, you know, cheaper, quick prep, quick access items, which are not 
filled with the most plentiful color, you know, or we have parents that are spread so thin that really their only bandwidth is to like put together the quickest, cheapest meal or snack, right? And so when we're kind of exiting outside of this privileged space of full access, um, what do you say around that? Like, what would your nutrition recommendation be for those individuals that are on either of those scenarios or struggling with access to food and or financial privilege? Yeah. Um, so it, it reminds me of, so my very first job outside of uh, getting after I got my RD was working at a it was a nonprofit organization but they had a school district that went from like pre-k head start early head start through eighth grade um, and I think one of the things that taught me is like right making making do with with the resources that are available and that everybody wants the best for their family um, and so I mean I think it's you know, trying to connect people with resources that are available so that, you know, you can, um, I think there's a lot of programming right now that's happening around how can we make these like quick pickup meals, more nutrient dense and have more fruits and vegetables. How can we and increase the, um, like the nutrient density of school meals and making sure that like kids that are in schools have access to like free meals that are also, you know, doing great things for their body. Um, so I think it's kind of, I think part of it, if, if you are that, that busy parent, or maybe the access is an issue is, is maybe tapping into the resources that are available within the communities that you're, that you're in, that might be able to support. Um, I also think it's, yeah, yeah. I feel like it's just such a situational, um, experience. And, and so it's hard to like give a blanket recommendation, but I think there's a lot of really great community-based organizations that are trying to solve, um, for the lack of, of access specifically around um, fruits and vegetables and, and whole grains and protein and things like that. Um, right. So that's kind of my, my, my first thought around it. Yeah. It, it, do you have, what would people look up or what, are, what, what are kind of some buzzwords that they would be using in order to find those resources that are specific to their area? Yeah. Um, so I think you could, you could look up, so there's obviously like the food distribution locations. There's a um, uh, fruit and vegetable kind of distribution uh, that's tied in with food banks. Oftentimes they often have food banks that are looking to like provide again, more fruits and vegetables. There's a program that I remember working with in Texas called Brighter Bites, where they would <clears throat> go into different locations and they would assemble bags full of produce to feed uh, families of five for a week. Um, and you could just like pick up those bags. Um, but then there's also just like the, the women and infant and children's programs, the SNAP, um, SNAP ed programs and things like that, that really um, can help kind of meet those needs. Um, but, but also, again, I think it's just like not being too hard on yourself if, you know, convenience foods are, the, are what is most convenient for you to be able to feed your family. I think that is priority one is, is making sure that, okay, do you have food, the kind of the hierarchy of needs, you have food, shelter, things like that. So um, I, I think just kind of making do with, with whatever is, is possible. But, but yeah, I think I would Google like food, food distribution or fruit and vegetable distribution. Um, and then again, those programs like WIC and SNAP and, and the farmer's market um, incentives are also available. 
Awesome. Yeah, I, I always remind my clients that the reason why it's called convenience food or fast food is literally, it's in the name. It's convenient and it's fast, yeah. right? And there's no shame in that game if that really is what you're needing. Um, even if you do have access, it's like it is important that we do have these opportunities to get convenient things and get food fast because ultimately we, we need to have that variety of um, you know, those foods and living life to the fullest, yeah. and, you know, and I, yeah. and I think it's been interesting. Like, I think dietitians are playing a really cool role in these sort of corporate spaces or in like the food system space at thinking about like, can we provide more choices? Not that you have to always choose, you know, the apple slices over the fries every time, but like, can we provide more choices to folks that like are going to go through the drive through in order to, to pick up dinner or, you know, are going to pick up a prepackaged meal within their grocery store. Can we have more choices um, to give the client, the consumer, the option to say like, yes, I want to choose this. I think that food choice is really important. Um, and I think it's been really interesting to see as people think more about what does health mean for them? What does it mean for health to be um, equitable um, to see the role that dietitians and health professionals in general are playing at like, reimagining food systems uh, to provide more more choices. Well, I think you also are bringing up an important topic, which is that health is much broader than how many greens are on mm -hmm. your plate. You know, there's, there's a lot. Of, there's a much bigger definition of health and sometimes mental health is going mm -hmm. through the drive-through and sometimes mental health is cooking the meal. So it really becomes right. a balancing act of multiple definitions of health. And so I'm curious in your opinion, what do you kind of try to help your clients reframe like what makes up their health? Yeah, I think the the mental health aspect is is definitely a huge one. So it's it's like your physical health, your mental health, your social well-being, like are you connected to people that you feel supported around? spiritual health, even environmental health, I think is also coming up more and more common. I'm in California right now and it's been smoky the last few weeks because of like the fires that are happening nearby. So thinking about the environmental health um, and, and emotional health. So I think there's all of those components. Um, and then in public health, we talk a lot about the social determinants of health. And so these are things that um, influence the way that people are able to have health, different health outcomes, more positive health outcomes. So that could be like, um, your actual built environment, do you have access to sidewalks or parks? Um, it's your uh, economic uh, employment, whether you're, you know, are you able to like get a job? Are you able to grow in that job, have an income that you can actually live off of? Um, it's access to, you know, um, like hospital care, health care, thinking about like being able to access care that is quality, um, it's all of these different things, legal services, housing. Um, so it's not directly your health. It's not like, you know, your physical where you're getting your blood pressure. You can't see those sort of met metrics, but if you are not able to have a safe housing, then that's going to impact how you're able to pursue health, what your health, health outcomes end up looking like. Um, and so paying attention to all those other determinants of health or those things that help, um, influence your health and, and helping folks again on a systems level have more access to that. Um, and we know that impacts communities of color more so than, than any other communities speaking racially and ethnically. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think again, being aware of those different um, systems and how they are or are not supporting health for all. 
I love using Maslow's hierarchy of needs with my clients to explain this Mm -hmm. because again, it points out privilege. Like you're very lucky if you're towards the top of that triangle and you can focus so much on, um, I don't know, fresh kale and, and autonomy (laughs) and like individuate and like pursuing your hopes and dreams. Like so many are still trying to do the, the foundational building blocks of, of housing and financial support and shelter and all that, but we can't sure. really be these intuitive eaters if we don't have those bottom building blocks first. So I use that a lot, especially with clients in rec- going through eating disorder recovery. It's like you can't pursue your hopes and dreams when you're not eating your food. But at the same time, this is a bigger mm-hmm. conversation about overall health, and we can't just like demonize foods and shame people for choosing those demonized foods when we're not looking at what's mm. way lower down that ladder. Yeah. Right. I know I'm thinking of like current events, which is going to date the recording of this episode, but like with the hurricane going on in New Orleans right yeah. now, it's like, hey, I doubt these people are really There's considering what today. fruits and veggies <laughs> they're going to be eating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or really giving a crap at all about food balance or nutrition it's i'm trying to just survive or you know my house is underwater Mm -hmm. what do i do next and so i think it's recognizing that these life events these our environment our mental health truly does have a massive impact and that you could be eating you know the most (laughs) in the hardest quotes ever the most balanced food but have the worst self-care and struggling mental health and highest stress level and and all of that is going to be impacting right. um the functionality of your body so yeah yeah and for so long i feel like we've yeah measured health by like what somebody looks like what they present on the outside and i i, I think we definitely need to to reframe that to think about the whole person and right the Maslow's hierarchy and needs like all the things that um play into their health um Right. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, so we again just scraping the surface. That's what we get with this bite-sized education series. I feel like we could keep going into it, but Rachel and I set personal boundaries <laughs> that they would be short burst episodes. So um this has been amazing. I would love it if you would share any other resources that you may have or anything else you um, kind of want to close out with? Yeah, sure. So I, I'll just highlight, um, of course, diversified dietetics, we are trying to um, have a field that is more representative of the communities that we're serving and kind of reframing who is delivering these messages around healthy eating, because we know it's typically been through a very kind of Eurocentric lens of what healthy looks like um, and, and really ignores other cultures. And so um you can always check out what we're doing at diversifieddietetics.org. Um, and then just speaking specifically about food and, and the role that it can play, there's another nonprofit called Grits Inc. Um, Grits stands for Growing Resilience in the South, uh, but they have a whole webinar series that they're doing around food as resistance, um, which is really interesting and also exploring some of the um, historical foods in African-American culture and, um, and that journey from, you know, the time uh, that you know slavery from happening to today, um, and then there was a really interesting podcast. As I was kind of thinking about this, uh, our, our interview today that I found from Food Heaven around when healthy eating becomes an obsession, um, and sh- they're interviewing uh, Christy Harrison, who's also a dietitian, 
um, and I, I think in the eating disorder space. Um, and so we'll definitely plug that podcast for a more in-depth conversation about like when healthy eating becomes an obsession, which I think definitely happens a lot in our culture. So those are the three things I'll plug. And where can listeners find you if they want to connect with you? Oh, yes, please. Um, so I am typically on Instagram as far as social media goes at Deanna.rdn. Um, and then at Diversified Dietetics, I'm behind some of the content that goes up there as well. Um, and then I have a website that I am awful at updating it. But if you want to check it out, DeannaBellamyLewis.com. Um, I'm happy to connect with folks there as well. Great. Well, thank you for your time. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. That's a wrap on this episode of the Bite Size Education Series, and we hope this new information provides you with a more critical lens when you hear mainstream diet culture messaging. You can connect with us on social media, on Instagram, at MomJeansThePodcast, and feel free to email your own listener questions to MomJeansThePodcast at gmail.com. If you loved the episode, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes and recommend the episode to a friend. Sending you the inner strength to accept your jeans with a G and wear the jeans with a J. Bye. This episode of Mom Jeans was produced and edited by Rachel Coleman and Tina LeBoy. Just a reminder, this episode is not a substitute for therapeutic counsel or nutrition advice. Thank you to Jerry DePizzo for the music production. You can find episode information and show notes at www.momjeansthepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at momjeansthepodcast and join the Mom Jeans the Podcast Facebook group to find a community of mamas learning to love their bodies and discussing the episodes. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Mom Jeans. See you next time.